Mike Soul. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. Welcome to another edition of MHS Class of 2000 and something. Today I'm hanging out with, do you prefer Dave or David? Anymore. Most people call me Dave anymore. Call you Dave? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hanging out with Dave Mikesell, who graduated in 2005 with your sister. Right. You were five. <laughs> I was eight. Mandy was 10. I, I, yep. I have to try to remember. How are you, sir? Doing well, doing well. Um, um, well, tonight, uh, after I got home from work, I um, pretty much just hung out with John. Um, we're my wife and I are right now training for a 5K, oh. and so we did a little run, and then we came home and had uh, dinner, and then played with uh, my son John for a while. So, who do you get to watch him when you guys get to go do things? Uh, right now, mainly her sisters or her mother. So, I guess we'll start with the backstory there. Um, presently living in Nina, Wisconsin which is between Appleton, which is somewhat known, and Oshkosh, which is known for Oshkosh Bagosh, the children's clothing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in fact, the school I work at, the HR director used to work at Oshkosh Bagosh before they got bought out by Carter's. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize they had gotten bought out. Okay. Right, so Carter still hung on to the brand, and they still have some of their local stores. But in general, Carter's pretty much runs Oshkosh Bagosh these days. Um, how to get there? Oh yeah, so my wife—we're about forty-five minutes away from Green Bay, where my wife grew up. And so we, after John was born, took advantage of an opportunity with uh, work up here to move closer to home. So mainly either my mother-in-law or father-in-law watched John or since a lot of her sis- sisters are still home over the summer or in and out, they'll watch John as well. So how in the world did you end up in Wisconsin? Yeah. So why Wisconsin? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the whole story goes, um, Here, wait, let's go back first. Yeah. And then we'll go, we'll go to the very end and then we'll go forward. Immediately following graduation back Mm -hmm. in 2005. So that was 12 years, 12, 13. Yep. What did you do immediately following graduation? And back then your graduation was still in the gymnasium. You guys didn't start doing the cathedral thing yet. Correct. So we did our graduation ceremony your sister gave a speech, something about being a fish. That I—that's what I remember from it. I don't remember. Um, I remember none of it. So you're doing better. Than- <laughs> <laughs> you know, the only reason I remember it is they put it as part of the caption in the yearbook. Okay. So okay, it was a constant reminder. But no, she <laughs> she did a great job. Um, and so we did the graduation thing. Uh. A bunch of us ended up over at Lindsay Wallace's, now Lindsay Wilcox's house, um, just hanging out, swimming, just hanging out. It was a fun night. Um, but then post high school, I went to Point Park University in Pittsburgh to study sports, arts, and entertainment management. Worked for the Pittsburgh Pirates for a season. What'd you do uh, for them? 
I was in ticket sales, which was great till they started playing baseball. <laughs> and then the the well went dry a little bit because they I think had like a fifteen game losing streak that season or something. So, yeah, so the sales got a little rough. Um, and then there was going to be my senior year of college. There was going to be an opportunity to run a single way hockey team in Pittsburgh, but between some financial disagreements between the owners that just never panned out okay. um, so that's where my friend who ended up being my best man and I turned in a Starbucks two weeks before graduation and I said I have no clue what I'm going to do with my life he's like me either I got a pair of speakers and a computer and <laughs> thus we started, we started DJing and uh yeah, so we DJed weddings, uh, Bessemer days. We did a lot up north. Uh, ended up doing quite a few of my friends' weddings through that. So uh, that was kind of a nice, a, a nice touch, and to be able to do that for them. So, uh, but eventually he um, took his own business aspirations. He's running a hot dog. You know, he ran a hot dog shop on the south side of Pittsburgh. And now runs Broadway Brunch in McKee's Rocks. So if you're ever down there, check it out. It's a little food place or lunch or? Yeah, it's a brunch place um, right on McKee's Rocks Main Strip uh, between Messini's Bread and um, the school. Okay. So, um, but along with that, you know, he kind of was going that direction a little bit. Our DJ business was doing okay, but you know, it wasn't enough to live off of. And so really started uh, assessing, like, what what was my calling in life? And so from there, I looked at, like, I was still helping off my boy, the Boy Scout troop in Mount Jackson. Um, really hit it off well with teaching some of the merit badges, teaching YMCA youth hockey. And I'm like, maybe this teaching thing, which both of my parents were teachers, um, let me count the math real quick. 75 years between my parents' combined education experience. Okay. So um, it kind of just made sense. So I went to Robert Morris, did an insane amount of credit work in the summer and fall. So I could student teach in the spring and get a job. So they only made you go for like two semesters because basically you had your entire undergrad done. They transferred in most of your credits and you just had to go back to get that teaching certificate. Right. Now, even with that, though, I still in the summer, I did whatever the full load was in the summer, which I think was 12. Okay. But come that fall, I did 21 credits, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. And out of those 21, six were online and nine were nighttime intensive classes or some some ridiculous amount of work for eight weeks. But then after that, it all kind of calmed down a little bit, which was nice. Um, so then student taught in Wilmington. Um, so that would have been the class 2011 from Wilmington. So wait, what year? So that's 2011. How old are you at that point? Um, 24. Okay. 24 okay. years All old. Right. So six, it was the 
four years of college and then a couple years of limbo kind of self-discovery trying to figure out you know what what to do with my life um and the best advice i ever got was my actually first second class first day of going to school for education professor walks in and says it is easy to get a teaching job if you're willing to move Mm. and you know i thought about it because in pennsylvania and i don't know how true it is now but at the time a business job would pull about 300 applicants uh, English teaching our elementary job, I heard, pulled upwards of 500 applicants for one job. Okay. So it really, Pennsylvania was a really kind of cutthroat environment. I can tell you the job, one of the places I interviewed, which I've been up working at in Indiana, I was one of four applicants. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, play the numbers a little bit. So. And that's a testament to what kind of quality education Pennsylvania as a state has put together. People want to be a part of that. People want to be a part of um, what historically has been a really solid pay structure. I know the budget crisis a couple of years ago may have changed that landscape quite a bit from what I'm familiar with, but um so i ended up a year in marengo iowa which is just west of cedar rapids in iowa city so wait you were cool Uh, with just like interviewing out there and dropping everything and moving all of your stuff what like eight hours away yeah well yeah okay so let's let's backtrack to that psychology there a second you're talking to the guy that at this point 10 years ago was I think I may have already said this, never leaving Western Pennsylvania, going to marry a Western PA girl, live around there, and, you know, die in wherever the Penguins were playing. <laughs> that was, that's where my head was at. Um, and it just, what, what that professor said resonated with me because that and another uh, individual who I was talking to talked about like substituting that next year uh, for local schools. And I'm like, you know what? It, it felt kind of in me, like I'm better than just being a substitute. I want to get out there and prove myself to the world because you're sitting on a business degree that didn't pan out the way you thought it would. You're just kind of had these floating opportunities. It's like, it's time to, get out there and spread the wings and see what can see what really can be. And so that's kind of where my head was at at that time was like, I needed as tough as it was to uproot everything I knew for the first 24, 25 years of my life. um, Especially being an only child, leaving my parents behind um, as tough as that was, it was also kind of one of those, you know, this is the moment to go out there and see what can be. Cause I think a lot of students take advantage of that during college, uh, going studying abroad, take those leaps in that time frame. And at the time, um, my granddad was still alive. He died my senior year of college. Um, 
it just wasn't in the family cards to be able to do that. I knew that on weekends I was coming home to help take care of my granddad um, and help support the family in that way. So, um, yeah, so that's how I became kind of cool with the whole just uprooting life and heading to the Midwest. So, Did you get an apartment, a house? Did they – I don't think, like, education co- – like, mm-hmm. colleges – help sometimes pay for the move and all that i don't think they do that for high school or elementary teachers do they no so i I packed everything this this is how crazy the the move went so i flew out um to iowa maybe a month before the actual move and thought i had everything set up week of the move i find out that the housing fell through it was um uh, like a government housing situation. I didn't realize that. And I overqualified for some reason. Okay. Um, <laughs> Even though you're like unemployed and moving for a job. Okay. Exa- exactly. So um, what became of that was uh, the principal was kind enough to call a few people around. And this guy who worked for Honda, I think one of those nice car companies, um, was starting to rent places. So I got put in this house. Uh, it was a two renter. So there was the lower level, which I had, and then there was the upper level, which another young young man had. Real nice guy. I wish I could remember his name. Um, and so I lived there for my year in Iowa in the lower level of a house that had been damaged by a huge flood that I would experienced about two or three years ago. And um, he had just finished restoring it. So it was pretty, in pretty good shape. Okay. Um, but the move, so um, I don't know if you remember, I used to be really huge into Newcastle community roller hockey. Oh, yes. And deck hockey. Yes, the Marauder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, jamming the Marauders down everybody's throat. You, you look at the Facebook on this day timeline, and from like 2007 to 2011, this time of year is just all about the Marauders. I think Megan still has her bright orange T-shirt. I think, as she should, probably in a frame, you know, right above the the baby's crib, getting that second generation of Marauders going. <laughs> but um, so I played for another team uh, called the Young Guns, and we were playing the Footer Hockey Championship, and I had to be in Iowa by Tuesday okay. or Wednesday to report for in service. And so they were trying to cancel the games cause it was raining. And I pretty much talked single-handedly talked them out of it. I think we lost the game like two to one. It was the game three of the championship. So it's like at eight, nine o'clock at night. <laughs> I run home. I take a shower. Car's already loaded. Hug my mom, hug my dad, and I start driving on I-80 out west. (laughs) (laughs) Go west, young man. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so I spent the night in Sandusky, and then next day completed the drive. So the whole drive itself is 16 hours. Oh, wow, okay. From Newcastle. So, yeah. Um. Okay, so we'll kind of speed up the version. <laughs> so, spend a year in Iowa. That school I talked about in Indiana, I'm out golfing back in Pennsylvania the next summer. 
they call me on the golf course and say, we don't want to interview you. We have an opening. We just want you to come. So wait, in Indiana, what did you teach? What grade? Okay, yeah. So uh, in Iowa, I taught middle school and high school with some elementary. What do, and then, is it like a specific subject that you specialize yeah. in or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. Um, computers and, and so in Iowa, it was computers, business, which was accounting and business management. And then I also taught the talented and gifted program okay. um, at the elementary level. Then the job offer in Indiana was at the time to just go and teach, I think it was web design and like computer applications, Office, Word, PowerPoint, the whole shebang there. Well, what happened, so I made the move to Indiana because it was a lot closer. Um, Still had a lot of friends getting married. So I was able to, instead of spend $400 flying back and forth, put 50 bucks and gas and tolls and, you know, see, see people that I cared about. Um, so did that, made the move. And, and as far as the teaching career goes, I was at the time there was another lady who I love. Janice is awesome. I was teaching programming, but really didn't have much of a programming background. So it was kind of very, um, step along in a, in a different way. Um, and so they said, would you like to teach the programming courses? And I said, absolutely. Keep in mind, I, outside of two programming classes from that crazy semester, I never touched programming in my life. So I'm self-teaching myself visual basic Java and all these other programming languages um, I cannot say enough about like people like Brad Patton, who's uh, Eric Patton's older brother, um, and different guys from the hockey rink who have these programming backgrounds who really help me when I'm like, what the heck is going on with my code? I don't know what's going on. And so it was fun because at the time the programming classes were maybe one class, 20 some kids. And by the time I was done building that program before I had my next opportunity. Um, I was just teaching straight up programming classes because the numbers had grown that much. So that was, that was a lot of fun, but that first semester in Indiana. So I'm not going to lie between the moves and maybe some other things. I was doing a lot of online dating or trying to. Ooh, which program or not programs, which apps or websites? Right, so I was on OkCupid, and then I was also on Plenty of Fish, which is kind of a joke in itself. But, I mean, I'm sure people have had luck on Plenty of Fish, but that one's a pretty big, like, one level above Craigslist kind of thing. (laughs) And this is before, like, app dating, right? These are just websites you had to go on and create profiles. You weren't using apps at this point, were you? Oh, correct, correct. I um, I never had a smartphone even until I met my wife. So, <laughs> okay. um, yeah, I was first thing away from apps. Um, so that first semester, and th- th- this I love this story. I was tutoring a bunch of kids after school, and this one girl said, "Mr. Mikesell, you're too good to us. You're gonna find a woman, and this is all gonna fall apart." I'm like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, right." You know? <laughs> 
chocolate. Well, she said that, and then maybe a couple weeks later is when I actually first messaged my wife, who's now my wife. Um, and so she was my wife, Abby, who's from Green Bay, was studying at Loyola University in Chicago, uh, Masters of Divinity. And so we met online. We messaged back and forth for probably a month before we met up um, because Thanksgiving was in there and I was traveling back east and then a couple friends are getting married. So we just never really had a chance to meet up. We'll go with that. But really, she wanted to make sure you weren't a crazy person. That too. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, now she knows the truth. But um, <laughs> so we met... Um, before Christmas and started kind of like talking about dating and then then we were dating and the rest is kind of history where uh, we dated for a little over a year before we got engaged and um, <laughs> knowing her I did a I did a half marathon which right now struggling to train for a 5k is really unbelievable that we ever did a half marathon together but i know the the running thing i i tip my cap to anyone who can do it like consistently but it is it's tough for me to get going most of the time for running um so then we lived in chicago and i was reverse commuting to indiana loved my job in indiana um Everyone was awesome uh, from top to bottom. And you know, looked at the car odometer and it was racking up 30,000 miles a year for traveling. And I'm like, and like some days coming into Chicago in the afternoon, it'd take me two, three hours to get home. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah, not, not sustainable. So I began... Um, during my time at Portage in Indiana, I got my principal certifications. I started doing some principal interviews, and I went to this school on the southwest side of Chicago, which this school, Our Lady of Tepeyac, at the time it was the elementary, this school and its sponsoring parish have been on shows like Shameless and um, <laughs> The Exorcist. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I, to me, I think it's a good fundraiser for the parish. That's kind of what I was always told. Um, if you're looking for a specific scene, I don't I remember what season it is, but what, when Fiona gets married, the outside of the parish, that's where we had graduation. That's where we had ceremonies. We went and spent mass. So, All right. Yeah, there's, there's one for all you shameless fans. <laughs> um, and so... Wow, this is a long story. I'm sorry, Kate. No, um, you're doing fine. I mean, you're hitting on most of the things I was going to ask you anyway. You're doing great. You're, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so I didn't get the elementary principal job, but they then their technology director was moving on. And with the programming background, they asked me if I wanted to be the technology director. And I said, sure. Um, the financials kind of balanced out and worked out and it was all good. Um but I always had that in the back of my mind, the wanting to be a principal and knowing the impact that I could have uh, leading a school. It's always kind of been the desire, kind of always been the goal. And so that following summer, I 
came up here to Oshkosh and interviewed at where I'm at now, Lord's Academy, which is the main Catholic system here in Oshkosh. And for the, um, it was one of those deals where I just instantly fell in love with the school, with the community. I had heard so many great things about them. And when I walked in the interview room, and it's like a true, genuine, happy environment, and everyone's friendly, and it was, I mean, it, it's just indescribable how friendly the environment was, and to have a chance to be a leader in that environment was oh, not, was um, too much to pass up. So, um, so this is where the... And you said Abby figured out how crazy I am. So this is how this is how crazy it is. So meanwhile, time in that year in Chicago, that's where John, our son, comes into play. So he's born in June. I accept the job this time last year in early August to come up to Oshkosh. We're stuck in a lease in Chicago. Plus, she still has some obligations with her job in Chicago at the parish she is working at. So we actually with a three, four month old lived separated for two months, pretty much. Oh my God. She is a saint. Uh, she, she, is. she is a saint. <laughs> yeah. She, I mean, and not just because of that, but yeah, she absolutely is a saint. Um, so I'm living with her parents commuting a, another hour back and forth every day, but at least in Green Bay, the traffic isn't as bad as Chicago. Um, and eventually once uh, the, uh, not the lease, but once her contract obligations are up, then she comes up to uh, her family. And so we lived with her family for about half a year together. Um, Bay, and then in April we finally the, the lease in Chicago finally finished up, and we were able to move out into an apartment, and here we are. So wow, that's yeah. impressive, sir. <laughs> it's been a whole whirlwind, and you know, looking back at it, the past seven years that I've been away from Western Pennsylvania. There's been so many different ups and downs and turns, but I'm telling you, like it, it's made me the Mohawk formed me. So I, I still hold everything that Mohawk and Western Pennsylvania stands for and is in high reserve. It formed me. And then I feel like this journey to get me to this point, to be a principal for the great school that I get a chance to lead every day, uh, like completed, like everything was there, and then the journey completed it, and now it's kind of like let's see what this next chapter of life holds here in Wisconsin. So, for for you guys' sake, I hope you don't move anywhere for a little while. I hope you get to be like <laughs> static for a few years, and your son's like future. I I hope I wish that for you, unless it's like to move on to much bigger and better and more money things, but. Right. The um, the idea is to settle down here in the Fox Valley for the long term. Um, the whole region here is called the Fox Valley, kind of like Beaver Valley takes up all Beaver County. Um, Wait, spell it. The what valley? 
Fox, F O X. Oh, Fox. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, our next move move will probably be into a house at this point. So. Okay. Can you tell me like your favorite principal story? Are you allowed to tell me like a funny story that's happened? Oh yeah. So, um, uh, probably about once a week, there's always something that just is like hysterical so is your school k through 12 are you just elementary or are you just high school what are you yeah that's a great question so we are a 5 through 12 building okay um there's another building that is pre-k through fourth grade um in our system so we're it used to be a lot more elementaries the traditional parish elementary model that you see still in a lot of cities but then they start consolidating buildings and okay. um yeah, between enrollment shifts and stuff. So we have middle school and high school in our building, which works out – to me, it works out really cool because it reminds me a lot of Mohawk with the junior high, senior high model. Yeah, so, okay. Um, but – so there's been a lot of funny, crazy stories. Uh, I love – You only get to pick yeah. one. I know. So we're at – I'm going to pick one from the end of the year. And there's a script that we're reading for the awards night and um script is reminding the students for when they come to church graduation service on sunday to wear just their graduation gown but not their hat that was the intent of the message but it was phrased wear your gowns only oh no so i didn't think twice of it because i knew what it meant in my mind and i'm standing up there trying to be all principally serious reading it and the crowd loses it <laughs> when I read that line. And I'm just standing up there speechless. And it, it was it was so much fun. And I'm glad that that was a memory that got to be created for those kids and those families that the principal said pretty much, show up, show up, uh, commando <laughs> at church. <laughs> so. um, you said that Mohawk formed you. Like, if you were to think of one teacher in specific that made the biggest impact on your principal life, under undergrad life, high school life, what who would it be? <sighs> Short answer, uh, they're Kevin Rona, Mr. Rona. Um, I remember him from when I was really little and he was an assistant basketball coach and having a chance to work with him uh, with the basketball team, having a chance to be in his class three different times. Um, and just the way he always carried himself, uh, such, I guess, like professionalism, uh, but always could have time to have the joke and be uh, a mentor figure as well. Um, without a doubt, Kevin Rona has always like come first to mind for that. Um, yeah. So name one thing you wish you would have done differently when you were in those halls. You know, I played around quite a bit with that question. Um, it can be serious or, or just a joke. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I, um, you know, even though I feel like I was overall like a pretty, pretty friendly guy for, High school, you know, I, there's still situations that you would have done differently. People you would have been nicer to in situations. 
Um, I think that's pretty true for just about anyone in high school at the time when you look back on it. But I, you know, I, there are definitely some people that I wish I would have been nicer to. And if they're happening to listen to this and I ever did something stupid to offend you in high school or said something stupid, I just want you to know that I, I am sorry for that. So. Can you think of one thing in particular that you want to apologize for? My goodness. I feel like we're at confession now, but you kind of got serious for a second. <laughs> That's the Catholic side here. Um, nothing, nothing in particular um, that, you know, like I'm sitting here thinking, but just like you think about, I, I know like the first couple years after high school, people are always saying, you know, I'm sorry for this and I'm sorry for that. And, you know, I made a lot of those amends throughout the years for thing, specific things I could remember, but I'm sure there's probably that one or two things still kind of lingering out there that, you know, I'm honestly not aware of that maybe I said or did, so. Unrelated, but kind of apologetic. My husband wants to know if you were related or re involved in the Spruduty hole digging incident. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I had awareness of it. Um, I don't believe there was a mandatory reporting associated with that dirty. So, um, I was very aware of it. I, I attest that we, believe it or not, the day they got caught, there was a two hour delay and I don't know why. And I'm thinking that that caused the two hour delay. Hmm. That's my, that's my theory, but I'll have to find a teacher and ask. Maybe Miss Bates yeah. knows. She would, yeah, she would. So, <laughs> um, one thing, one thing you wish you would have done differently since high school. Um, I think I would have um, not taken for granted that um, I'm going to be. It's kind of an our confession thing here. Not taking for granted how involved I was in high school and how many people that I interacted with in high school that would be that way for the rest of my life. Um, you know, I, you know, was heavily involved with musicals and announcing and all different clubs at school. And when I got to college and that nat just naturally didn't happen, I didn't, you know, it was a very rough adjustment period for that. So I think uh, just knowing, knowing what I know now about human interaction, people interaction and like how relationships do, unfortunately, as you get older, come and go. Um, I think I would have just been a little more prepared for that. And um, yeah, just been more prepared for that. I'd say. Okay. Um, what's the one thing you're most proud of accomplishing since high school? Uh, it's, well, whew, two, uh, exactly what's happening right now, uh, that, um, have the opportunity to be an incredible, uh, okay. That, okay. That's egotistical, <laughs> but, um, you're allowed to be proud of yourself. To be, I was like, set yeah. up with a softball there. You're fine. Okay, I remember where I was going out. Have the incredible opportunity to be a principal at a really great school with a great environment, but more importantly, um, you know, just 
being a father has been the proudest thing. Um, you know, Abby and I have an awesome relationship and for us to come home to John every day, who's learning to walk and just smiling and he's just laughing and being goofy and having that opportunity to be that with him, but still like be teaching him the basics on how to be, how to be a person. Just that to me is the pinnacle of, of life here. And I know you and your sisters all are kind of experiencing that together, which I think is really awesome for the three of you as well. So it will be right now. It's just overwhelming. (laughs) Hey, how old is John? John will be 14 months a week from today. So, and like once he starts school, what are I mean you want your kids to be nice and involved and well-rounded and all of these things once John hits high school what's one message you really want to drive home to him have fun um and that's the same thing I tell my students right now um have fun and don't be afraid of failure because I think all too often the message is whether it's directly or indirectly you know if you fail, then, you know, everything's going to fall apart, which is the furthest thing from the truth, because everyone fails at something at some point. And it's the coping skills that we learn through life that get us through those moments of failure. And so that's kind of the message that um, I want John and the students that I have a chance to work with, and even the teachers, I think, Teachers feel like um, sometimes, especially when they're first out of school, that they got to be perfect 100% of the time, which is the furthest thing from the truth. Um, It's just having the skills to bring it together and, you know, recover and learn from the mistakes that we make. So you sound so much like a principal right now. Uh, it's hard for me to turn it off some days. Um, <laughs> when, uh, when John starts school, will he go to the school that you are principal at? Uh, that is the plan. My wife is a product of Catholic education, um, from Green Bay. Um, I've come to, even though I grew up in a public education setting and I really value what public education does. I also value the additional, uh, faith components and morals that you can teach in a Catholic school in, in the way you can teach them in a Catholic school. You get the same morals in public school, but the, you don't necessarily always put the word God into it because of the church-state division. So, I mean, um, it, it comes down to that's a, something that we as a family value. And even if I was to go back to public school someday, which may or may not happen, I think we still would find a way for John to go to Catholic school because we hold that so closely and dearly. Okay. Um, switching gears completely. Uh, yep. Same questions I ask everyone. When you're just hanging out after a long day of principling or however you yep. want to say it, when <laughs> something ridiculous has happened at school and you just need to break and you're chilling out, what are you drinking? Well, um, so every time I'm back East, I pick up, um, some size pack of icy light. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and bring it out. I, I know it's a, it's a love or hate relationship and I'm lucky that the majority hate it because that means there's more for me. Cause I love it. <laughs> um, uh, and who 
Wisconsin is always called the cheese state because there's a lot of different cheeses, but there's also a lot of different micro brews out in Wisconsin. So I like to try different um, IPAs. I like to try different beers, um, obviously in moderation and modesty, but um, yeah. So morning, morning's dedicated to coffee and usually evenings I don't, drink more than just water but once in a while especially after a stressful day and a good beer just kind of helps to calm down and reset a little bit so speaking of pittsburgh does anyone ever call you out out there for having like pittsburghies do you ever get caught for saying pop instead of soda or have you like converted completely now Okay, so if, if this is a fun little graph to look up online that uh, Wisconsin is actually a pop state. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that one slips by. Um, I'm not much with yins. I don't use that. I actually say y'all more oh. for some other reason. But the big one is sweeper. Vacuum. Oh. Call it a sweeper. And people kind of look at me like, what? Um once in a while, I'll say buggy if we're at the uh, grocery store. Um, the big thing they call me out on is, of course, are you a Steelers fan? And you know that I'm not the only Mohawk person that's infiltrated Wisconsin. Scott McCurley, class of 1990-something, is a defensive uh, specialist coach for the Green Bay Packers. So there's – even Mohawk ties there. So even before, cause he's been coaching there uh, since late 2000. So he was part of the Packers Super Bowl when they beat the Steelers. <laughs> and during that Super Bowl, I'm kind of sitting there like, you know what? Go Packers, you know, let's get this for Scott. And um, so the move up here, converted. For, I, I converted long before I actually ever left Western Pennsylvania to a Packers fan. So, and it's hard to argue with their success. And I also think it's really neat that, you know, they're the only NFL team that is owned by shareholders in the city, not private ownership, which is really awesome. So the city, yeah, the city really uh, embraces them. And it, it feels, even though it's a pro team, it feels kind of like a college team that everyone can get behind and support and, um, the players are all part of the community and get really involved. So um, it's a really neat, really neat sports town to be a part of in that regard. Um, name one show or movie you're watching on Netflix, YouTube, Hulu that you'd recommend. It can be an old and a goodie or a new one that we've never heard of. Yeah. So right now my wife and I are hooked on suits and it's streaming on Amazon prime. I believe it was a USA network show yes so mega markle i think that's her big claim the fame show so she plays a paralegal who falls in love with the um r- rookie lawyer who fakes his way into this huge prestige law firm and it's it's a good catch it's a really good catch for a show so uh, switching gears a little bit again music recommendation and an artist or an album that's come out recently, single. Okay, so full disclosure, I am a huge heavy metal fan, oh. which I don't know how many people know that about me or not. Um, 
So I'm crossing off a bucket list item. I get to go see Metallica in Madison on Labor Day weekend. Nice. Um, right now, I think um, Shaman's, Harvest, Shaman's Harvest has put out a really good album. Um, yeah, Metallica's latest album I've I listen to pretty regularly. Um, a lot of the new rock and roll, I think, is pre- like pretty good. Uh, I haven't. I've done a lot more singles lately, so um, I think Shaman's Harmless big singles, Devil in the Wake, Volbeat. I think's got something coming out soon. Um, Chris Jericho's band Fozzy put out an album two years ago, and they've been running a bunch of singles off that. So. And Wisconsin, if you're a huge rock and roll fan, is the place to be. Oshkosh hosts a huge rock and roll festival. You got Milwaukee having um, uh, the huge music festival. Names escaping me. How far are you from? It's not like. Summerfest. How far are you from Milwaukee? We're an hour from Milwaukee, so we're an hour from Milwaukee, 15 minutes from Green Bay, an hour and a half from Madison, so we're in a really nice central location to get to the big areas around the state. Um, Slightly more dignified, the last book that you read, um, even if it is what you read to John tonight, but then we'll go with a slightly more adult choice. (laughs) Uh, John's favorite book, and I have it memorized and I act it out, is called Going on a Bear Hunt. Okay. It's like this fun interactive book where you you get to the bear and then you have to run back through everything you went through. It's really fun. Okay. And so you got memorized and you turn your house into everything that you go through. And then he really seems to love that. That's cute. And what do you, what's the last thing you read? What's the last thing you had time to read, you know, with an infant? Um, the book, this book was recommended to me back in Indiana and I finally had a chance to catch up and read it. It was called Good to Great. I think the author's last name is Collins. And it's this research on what companies do to separate themselves from like being a good company to a great company. So they studied all these Fortune 500 companies and they narrowed the list down out of all those thousands of companies to 11 companies and then studied all the same like characteristics that made that were consistent through them. And um, <laughs> one of the big ones that stood out to me in an education field is the um, modesty of leadership. So like a lot of good companies had these egocentric driven leaders that once they left, well, people didn't know what to do. They didn't focus on the system to make the, company or a school or whatever function without them. So it kind of validated what a lot of my other studying has done that a really good leader essentially works themselves out of a job because they get the system running so well and people working in the system to make it work so that all the results are really good that, you know, a leader should in essence strive to work themselves out of a job. And part of that is removing the ego that comes with leadership and using using that energy to empower the people and help them to grow and become the very best employee, uh, not only that your company needs, but that they can be so that they 
them ha- have the high value in their work. So okay. I'm sitting over here nodding like that sounds good. I agree with all of this. I don't want to keep saying mm-hmm and interrupting you, but I'm just sitting here in the dark nodding my head like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> countless research to back back that up. Um, I always recommend people getting into organizations. Peter Senge's Fifth Discipline to me is an organizational Bible in the sense that it has a framework that any company, a school, corporation, nonprofit can adopt and really use to um, build great synergy within the organization. So the question that you can decline to answer if you choose, who did you vote for in the last presidential election and why? Okay. I'm not going to decline, but I'm going to guarantee it's probably a curveball answer. Um, Gary Johnson. It's not even that big of a curveball. I'm so surprised with the number that of people I've interviewed that have said that. It's really impressive. Yeah, yeah. It's been 50-50. Well, I take that back. It's been about 40-45-5 so far. But yes, Gary Johnson is in the lead as far as the podcast go. Why, why Gary? Well, um, so when, when Trump first declared he was running for president, I got excited. Because I thought he could be the next Teddy Roosevelt. And then the speeches started going those different directions. And, Wait a you know, minute. What comparisons were... are you drawing between Teddy Roosevelt and Donald Trump? I thought with his business mind, like, he would really, and a lot of what he's done has been validated that he would have a good focus on the economy. Teddy Roosevelt big monopoly button. They kind of went in and shook things up in a progressive mindset. Okay. Oh, I understand. All right. Gotcha. Right. And I think I'm going to avoid going down the political rabbit hole there. But um, <laughs> so eventually Trump wore off on me and kind of was like, okay. And I, Hillary, there was a problem. I, I thought – Hillary had a lot of good things, but there are also a lot of questionable things. Um, and I also struggled with outside, uh, well, essentially having three ha- families in the White House for 20 some years. Yet Bush Sr., Bill Clinton, Bush son, then Obama, and then it would have been another Clinton. So I actually struggled a little bit with that um, when it came down to those two. And Gary Johnson was pretty much middle of the road, which I affiliate pretty much middle of the road politically. And the more I learned about where he stood with a lot of different issues, the more I really could get behind him. And so that's kind of why I went the Gary Johnson route. Valid. Fair enough. Uh, Final question. Nominate Mm -hmm. three people to do this podcast with me doesn't have to be from your class doesn't have to be from my class doesn't have to be a friend of yours can be somebody you just want to know how they're doing three people and why okay so i have two that definitely came to mind right away uh the first one is michael coran believe class of 2007 eight my class oh he was in your class okay awesome um he's over in china teaching english 
He's married over there and has a family. And I think the story on how he got there and what he's doing now and what he sees would be a very compelling story to listen to. You're the third person to nominate him. I really got to get in touch with Mike Ryan. All right, next. <laughs> Don't forget, he's like 12 hours behind us. So, I was trying um, to figure it out. I was going to Google that. Um, oh, boy, I'm trying to blank here. Okay, uh, class of 2003, Aaron Bullock. Okay. Jean Valjean, uh, his senior year, Les Mis. He, um, I remember, it's very interesting because when he was in my French class my freshman year, and he was a junior, and I remember he had no clue at that point what he wanted to do, and he went on to get his doctorate in foreign language. Okay. I think just kind of that journey and where it's taken him would be a really interesting um, podcast if you're able to get in touch with him. Uh, and then the third one, you know, I played around with the third one quite a bit. And I think uh, I would go with someone like, and I hate to do all guys here, but I would go with. Uh, Jesse D'Amico. Okay. Because he got drafted by the Brewers, and I know he kind of had a – I think he tore his ACL or some rotator cuff. And, um, like, I just – I never followed up where his career went or different things, and uh, it would be interesting kind of to hear from him. But, Kate, I think it's awesome that you do this and give all the alum over the years a chance to uh, reconnect – and this u- very modern, unique way to interact is uh, really awesome what you're doing here. So Thanks. I appreciate it. It's, I, I see people at Walmart, and that's never a chance to really have a conversation. Um, had Jake, so I really don't get the chance to like go out to local bars and have real conversations with people. Uh, it's just life kind of caught up. Facebook's not a good way of communicating. And now it kind of seems like class reunions are also going by the wayside because there is technology to keep in touch with people. So a lot of people's mindsets are like, why do I need to even do that? I know what's going on with people. But actually getting, like you did, a detailed play-by-play of how you ended up where you're at. I I knew you were a principal. I I know bits and pieces, but it's nice to kind of see it all come together I don't know. Kind of like you said, with the people you nominated, you know bits and pieces, but you want to know how and why. So this is an opportunity to do that. But thanks for your time tonight. I appreciate it, especially with your family and how busy you are. Um, I hope John sleeps good for you tonight and for many nights to come. And I wish you only the best. She gets better with the sleep. So. I wish you only the best. Like I said, I hope you get to stay in one place for a little while. Um, but the next time you're home, let us know, and maybe I'll get a chance to see you. So. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Kate. You have a wonderful evening. You too. Night, Mixel.